It is lights out and away we go. Hello, racers. Welcome to the HOS F1 podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Huff, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, RJ McCullough. RJ, what's going on, my man? Hello, good sir. This is a little strange because I cannot see you right now, but you're coming in crystal clear, so I'll just have to imagine that beautiful Valtteri Bottas-like mustache. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> working with my built-in webcam this week, so a little bit gorilla. Yeah. So, episode 66, shout yes. out Mario Lemieux. There has been never been an F1 driver that has used the number 66, but there is one that's pretty close. Do you know who has the closest number to 66? I do not. George Russell, 63. Oh, interesting. He's got a pretty high up number. I guess they all try to get as low as possible. Yeah, a lot of them. There's a lot of like uh, double numbers, like all the, like 11, 22, 33, 44, obviously those ones are all right. seem to be taken. Um, it's interesting. There's two guys that have done number 99, Giovinazzi and some guy named Adrian Sutil. Hey, listen, anybody That's with that a, name has got to be pretty wise. It's a pretty sacred number here in this country. You don't even <laughs> think of wearing 99. That's Wayne Gretzky's number. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Um, so I still have a dealer's choice to give you from our uh, HOS League, which but we're going to revamp it over the break. So I'm going to wait till next week to give you your last dealer's choice. Okay. I'll give it to you over the week, and we'll have it at the start of next week. Um, All right. And we'll have the new format kind of – we'll figure out something for the second half because it was going down a path that was just not equal anymore. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> With um, Max, unfortunately. I also have one more question before we get into the topics here. I think you might hold the record for most times watching the first season of Drive to Survive. How many times yeah. have you watched that thing? Because I'd say at least once every two weeks I get a text from you, something about a moment in Drive to Survive season one. Yes. Uh, I'm probably on my like sixth rewatch right now. But yeah, I think. The last two weeks, I've kind of just been slowly going through season one, but yeah, I'm, I mean, it's sort of, it's like a comfort show for me, you know, it's, it's what originally sparked interest in the sport for me, uh, and yeah, it's just, it is so much fun to go back and watch, especially when you have 2023 context, it honestly, I mean, with, as time goes on, it just adds more layers to just everything that they say. And Will Buxton is just hilarious. He's a great <laughs> laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the objective of qualifying is to finish faster than the other cars. You can start the race in front of the other cars. <laughs> right. But I guess when we were getting into it, we appreciated that sort of insight. So um, one more non-F1 topic before we get into F1. There's this video going around the Internet that I think is... Just, I have watched it a million times. I, I can't get enough of it. I put the, I'll put the link in the description of the episode. Um, I put it there for you. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a cop going down a slide. Oh, Just yes. every time I watch it, something else about it. The sound, the angle, the reaction. One of the best videos I've ever seen in my life. I, it's just, I can't, I can't stop watching it. <laughs> so I wanted to share that with you. I hope that you've seen it as well. It's very good. Yeah, we gotta put it just real quick in the in the video if you're watching this on YouTube. It's it's, it's hysterical. It's, yeah, <laughs> Holy it's shit. Else. And of course it's in your great country of the United States. It is. Only in America. <sighs> so now we move on to another Twitter. There's a couple little Twitter things uh, today that we were talking about. One was that video where Sebastian Vettel 
because um, they released like a new grill the grid where they ask them questions that are supposed to be hard. But a few years ago, they asked they were asking all the drivers to name the F1 drivers champions back to like 1950, and Sebastian Vettel just nailed them all from start to finish like unbelievable so if people haven't seen that definitely go check that out too and then um there's the other one that you someone kind of had a clickbait title on it but it is kind of a cool video daniel ricardo was like right behind lewis and max in 2021 abu dhabi which always seems to find its way to come up on this show um but yeah just his radio after like Saying, like, I'm glad it wasn't part of that because that seemed pretty fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely, you can tell he's just so glad that he's not involved in that shitstorm at all. I mean, just a complete nightmare. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the tweet was something along the lines of Daniel Ricardo's got, like, a front row seat to true racing. It was something clearly yeah. designed to piss off Lewis Hamilton fans and to prod Max Verstappen stands i guess but uh yeah the sebastian vettel video is extremely impressive i mean you've got lots of drivers on the grid that you know they remember like various years but i mean he just goes straight from present day back in a row without missing a beat just sitting there thinking i mean i mean he just continues to impress me i love sebastian vettel and also that is another thing about drive to survive season one that really sticks with me is just uh, just how sad I am that Seb never really got to get hit the or not hit the marks he wanted to achieve with Ferrari, unfortunately, and get that title. Uh, yeah, it's very yeah. painful. Yeah, especially when you see now that how how well the Aston Martin's doing, especially at the start of the year. If he would have just stuck around one more year, but I don't know. Who knows what happened? They still might have taken Alonso and bumped him out. Who knows? But um, speaking of Danny Rick, I don't know if you saw this quote that he had. Um, so he was talking about how like it's nice that he got into the car with two races before the break. He thought he was going to get in the summer break, and how he's going to like prepare over the off season or the summer break. Sorry, and he said, um, "quote It springboards us a bit better into the second half of the season." And I think personally, I know where my fitness is, fitness is at, so I can work during the summer break whilst everyone is sipping pina coladas or penis enlargers, whatever you want to call them. I'll be in the gym. In what world do people refer to as pina coladas, as penis enlargers? Yeah, because, I mean, there's like a, a, a very popular phrase regarding whiskey that kind of is the contrary to that. Right, yeah. <laughs> Alcohol is not really known to be an enhancement. It's more of a downer. <laughs> yeah, very strange how he just throws that out. Everyone is sipping pina coladas or penis enlargers, whatever you want to call them. Bro. I think Daniel, there's an inside joke we're missing there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Daniel, I mean, I think most of the shit he says is just to make himself laugh because, I mean, one of the first episodes, of course, to bring it back to this, of Drive to Survive, he's still with Red Bull, and I forget what GP they're in, but he's in a car full of, you know, Netflix people, his own people, Red Bull people, and he's just like, I want to tickle my scrotum and binge <laughs> on my nutsack. Oh like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's a fucking nut, and I love it. He's, I, again, so happy that he's back. I'm sure he's going to try to, I mean, he's been putting lots of time in the Red Bull simulator, so he's, you know, obviously fine-tuned to that, so hopefully he's able to come a little bit 
better grips to the Alpha Tauri. I mean, he's already doing a pretty decent job. He had a little bit of bad luck in Spa, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving seeing him back, especially with Red Bull. Yeah, no, he's been great. He's already um, doing better than Yuki in terms of the last few races. So, uh, yeah, glad to have him back. I also saw that video from um, Coda. I don't know if it was last year or the year before when he did an entire interview in his Texas accent. <laughs> it's just, like, so ridiculous. Uh, but it's great. He's great. Um, but, yeah, another quote that was out there, which kind of caught me by surprise, just isn't usually something Lewis would kind of talk about because he know it. Obviously, it's going to stir up chatter. So I don't really know how it came about if he was asked directly, but maybe you know more. But essentially, Lewis said something along the lines of, "If he was driving the same car as Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen would not be having the easy time that he's having." Um, so yeah, do you know any more context to like what spurred that quote coming, or what do you think about Lewis saying that? Because obviously, I mean. It's true, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I still pretty much uh, I was only able to like find clips on like Twitter. I didn't watch the the full clip, so I'm not a hundred percent sure what prompted him to say that. But from the the sort of clips that don't give full context, it does. It you know it doesn't seem like it's you know you know drive to survive again <laughs> how many times am i going to reference that show <laughs> like drama like yeah, intentionally okay. stirring the pot i mean i think it's just like a genuine response because i mean he's not wrong i mean i don't whether he's commenting on sergio perez's shortcomings in the last you know seven or eight weekends of racing or if he's you know Obviously, he's not been in equal machinery, so Max, he's commenting on Max's dominance. Maybe it's a mix of both, but, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with him. I think there's, I mean, Lewis is probably the best contender. Maybe maybe Leclerc, potentially Alonso, I don't know, definitely Piastri, but, you know, he, not to say that he does not have the skill, but he is obviously in a much, much, much better car than everybody else on the grid, so... Obviously, I'm sure Lewis is keen to be in a in a car that can sort of match that or come close to it. It's not surprising. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, like the quote itself is a fact. I guess just as a Lewis fan, it's like he usually doesn't open those cans of worms because he knows when he says that it's going to just start discourse. Um, I saw an interesting thread on Twitter. Not to go on too much of a tangent, but it was like going through all of these drivers like Schumacher, all their like great drivers of all time and all their like off track stuff and how we all gave them all a pass um but then with lewis everyone just no matter what he does everyone's all over him um but we don't need to go into that just you know just saying uh yeah yeah it has nothing to do with there's something different about him than everyone else uh, one of these things yeah so anyways belgian gp belgian gp sprint race and race, of course, Max Verstappen, uh, as you said, inevitable. Max Verstappen won again. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Max. I think it was actually the one moment. Actually, there's two things I want to bring up now that I think of it. How close he was to not getting into Q3, which would have dropped him to 16th because he had the five-place good penalty, or 15th, I guess. Um, anyways, and then also that uh, near spin he had, which actually was like an incredible recovery. Those are like the two things that stand out for me. What stood out for you, Mr. Max fan? Yeah, both of those moments were definitely, you know, 
uh, sort of, I don't know if they were like road, they were hurdles because you don't really see that often. And that, oh, 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 or, oh Jesus Christ, my American you have trouble accent with that is one. really oh, rouge. through. Yeah, oh, rouge, it is like oh, very treacherous. It's, you know, obviously where a lot of accidents have happened in the past, but yeah, yeah seeing Max almost been it was, was really crazy. I sort of like gripped the seat a little bit, like, ah, you know, is something going to happen? But no, nah, he was able to recover it, obviously. And oh my gosh, special <laughs> guest. <laughs> oh my goodness. She's, she's, right, she's worth talking about more than Max Verstappen, honestly. But <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, um, gosh, what about Max? Yeah, almost making it, or almost staying in Q2 would have been, would have added just so much more intrigue to the race for me. I mean, seeing him do i think he still potentially could have won from p15 p16 uh-huh yeah absolutely but yeah. would have been a lot more fun and i think a much bigger challenge because i mean he i mean he had a great start and he just completely coasted to the front extremely quickly you know checo pretty much put up no fight so yeah and that last lap in q2 sent him over the edge it's just yeah. it is like not even a meme at this point. It's just a fact. He's just inevitable in this car. It's no. Oh, I thought you were talking about his radio. We need to discuss his radio communications during <laughs> during Probably with his engineer. Yes, I actually tweeted it because I knew I wanted to talk about it. Um, we've been tweeting a lot lately. Um, okay, but yeah. Sorry, you were saying that uh, the, at the end of Q two, he was inevitable. Oh, yeah, because he just put in that lap last minute. I mean, he got over the line with just a couple of seconds left and still managed to put in a lap that I think, you know, had him on provisional pole going into Q3, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, that would have, again, been much more exciting than where he ended up starting. But he's just, I mean, he is a goddamn monster right now. It's it's something, it's a sight. It really is. <laughs> it's something. But I, I found the quote. It's just distracted it. Anyways, uh, I found the quote. Uh, Max Verstappen. <clears throat> now, this is just after he got through to Q3, barely, but he got through him to his radio guy. Max, I should have pushed two laps in a row, like I said. Ah! His guy, GP. But you were through, Max. Max, I don't give a fuck, mate, if I'm through in P10. It's just shit execution. Then GP. Okay, and then when the track was two seconds quicker for the final lap and you didn't have any energy left, how would that have gone down? But you tell me what you want to do in Q3 and we'll do it. Let me know. Sets, fuel, run plan. Oh, And then after they, they got into a little bit, again, I think it was during Q3 or the race, they had another little back and forth. And I am going... I don't like anyone on Red Bull except for GP. I can't, I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, so I'm just going to say GP. But his the way he deals with Max is unbelievable. He does not take Max's shit, but he also doesn't get worked up. He's like very calm, but there's like a lot of undertone in really saying like, "Oh, but you tell me what to do in Q3, Max." Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the only one that'll actually kind of stand up to Max, and I love it. It's like yeah, one he, of the only things that keeps me going. Yeah, he's not afraid to. I mean, he's not just a yes man to Max. Like I'm sure. A lot of the Red Bull garages or garage is, but yeah, they've. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a guy like Max needs someone like that because 
you know, Max, you know, does have his outburst, but he does at least respect GP. And after everything is said and done, he still, you know, respects his decisions. And, you know, they can at least hug it out at the end of the day and not have any grudges towards one another. No matter what's said, they can sort of keep it in the race and realize that both of them are trying to, you know, achieve top of the line performance. But again, Max can sort of put certain. Uh, aspects and as a priority over maybe what's best for the team in some instances and I think GP is really good at sort of helping him maintain as or his goals for the race and as far as short term goes (laughs) yeah I agree I think they're a good good duo and they'll probably be together for years to come and win at least one more championship so there's that um other talking points we're obviously not going to go too in depth into the Belden GP um ooh doggy bark uh, the dogs are just making appearances today. Episode 66 featuring <laughs> both of our dogs. Um, Oscar, two things about Piastri. Number one, that sprint shootout lap that he put in, like, that's unbelievable. It was 0.011 off max. And, I mean, credit to Max for pulling out the lap at the last second. But for the McLaren car, which, as we saw in the race, wasn't on the pace this weekend, to do that after Max was on pole in normal qualifying by like eight tenths of a second, uh, that was like wow, wow, wow. So Oscar really, really impressive. And then in the first lap of the race, like up until a couple hours ago, we were I was at least under the impression that Carlos Sainz absolutely screwed and pinched uh, Oscar into the wall and ruined his race. But there was a Reddit thread, which was very in-depth, which I'm still not convinced wasn't done by Carlos Sainz himself, that kind of explained that that turn showed historical evidence of, in turn one, the move that Oscar made was a little bit riskier than originally looked, and that there's been situations before, basically, where the same things happened and the other people have been blamed, but this time Sainz was blamed. Am I getting that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's that... Uh, just going through the analysis of what actually happened between the two of them and comparing it to old incidents. Uh, mm-hmm. I think s- what the issue with signs was his reaction. You know, we were talking about that yeah. fully blaming Oscar and not taking any sort of responsibility. You're calling it a racing incident straight up. Just being like, no, Oscar did a stupid move. He's a stupid rookie, blah, blah, blah. I did nothing wrong. I think that's yeah. sort of what rubbed people the wrong way. And signs has got a little bit of backlash. Luckily it's the summer break. So, this will 100% blow over before the end of this silly season break happens. Yeah, <laughs> but for sure. My, besides his reaction, if you look back at the the replay, my only thing is is that compared to some of the older examples, when he had that third car that was potentially pinching signs, I think it was Lewis. Maybe it was definitely a Mercedes or. In this one, the Lewis is on the outside behind Perez, and then so that did kind of influence it a bit, yeah, which I didn't realize. There was yeah. a pretty decent gap between Lewis and Signs, so Signs yeah, did have there some was, room. Yeah. yeah, it's not so mm-hmm. it's not like he had absolutely nowhere to go. So could Signs have potentially backed out a little bit, left Oscar just a mm-hmm. little bit more room, may have potentially left a little bit less damage, but yeah, I mean personally, just seems like a racing incident to me. It seems like something always happens at that corner people are always yeah. trying to overtake because you can do such sharp bends and take the inside line uh if you're really brave enough but yeah sometimes it 
puts you into the wall and smashes you into the Ferrari or a McLaren. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I also, before I forget, I want to mention that the penalty that Lewis got in the sprint was horseshit. And he, they didn't even bother challenging it because it's like a couple points. Really, It doesn't really matter this year. But you can bet if this was another like 2021 year that that would have been heavily um, contested. Yeah, because that was it was like a clear racing incident. Uh, I think even Red Bull fans like yourself have said that. And like if if you're gonna start giving penalties for that, then it's like what is F1 gonna become? Like there's been so many times where I think guys have done worse stuff. And I'm I know I'm obviously biased as a Lewis Hamilton fan, but it just it was just kind of like. You don't really like to see that. Um, and I saw another an article about it today, how it went down, that there was, like, I don't know, four stewards or race guys that decide on the penalties. And there was one guy in the room that was, like, vehemently against it being a penalty. He's like, no, that's the definition of a racing incident. But I guess it came down to the guy, the one guy that makes the decision at the end of the day. He said it was a penalty, but it didn't really matter in the end that much. Um, Perez, quickly, he started... All right, I don't even remember where he started, maybe second... Because uh, Max obviously started sixth, but regardless, Perez was leading after like the first turn or whatnot, and then okay, and then he was leading pretty quickly, but Max from P6 caught him by lap 17, and then just ran away with it once again. Um, I don't even make a big deal about it on this show, but like, not I wasn't I certainly wasn't impressed. I know like oh Perez got second place, good, kind of patting him on the back like that. I, I wasn't impressed at all by Perez. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, some people, the F1 Twitter account even, are sort of treating it as like, oh, he's back. He's back in his form. But, yeah, he's just not really putting in the, the type of performance that that car can pull off. I mean, I know this is such like a F1 Twitter opinion, but if you had Leclerc or Lewis or – maybe even Piastri and that other Red Bull, I think we'd be seeing much more uh, of a contention between P1. So, Yeah, no, I agree. Um, oh, yeah, the only other thing was, now, when Lando Norris broke the trophy last week, uh, some were critical of him, whereas I, it was just like an innocent mistake. You know, I, I think that mistakes happen sometimes, and you can't really be too harsh on someone when they make a mistake that he's since apologized for. But the Red Bull breaking the trophy again, I mean, I don't know if it's Christian Horner, Helmut Marco, one of these they gotta put one of these guys in jail. Like the blatant disrespect for the sport of Formula One and the trophies that people work so hard on and they're just willing to break it two weeks in a row, I mean didn't it just doesn't sit well with me that how much better they think they are than everyone and I don't know if I can, I can watch this anymore without saying anything. So, you see something, you say something, and I don't like it. I I I feel you. I mean, <laughs> I uh, yeah. At least it didn't happen on the podium this time. It happened. I'm honestly yeah. surprised that it doesn't happen more often. Honestly, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, those pic- those running pictures, like of course it would get knocked over. Yeah, I mean, and you've got two, you know, Videos. I guess with Red Bull, especially so frequently with the podium. It's just how does that not happen all the time? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah. if they're just making more and more flimsy trophies, or if they're 
I just being more uh, careless, I guess. I kind of feel like now they just have to break them the rest of the year. Like, just keep <laughs> it going. <laughs> That'll be Lando's That's something that'll make them winning up exciting. <laughs> so speaking of um, sprint races, we've discussed a lot about the format of sprint races. And they have changed the format for next season, it looks like. I don't know if this is official yet, but there's enough about it out there that I think it's going to happen because it just makes sense. Um, they're not necessarily changing the point structure or the actual format of the race, but the weekend structure it is the weekend schedule is more straightforward. The new format will keep the free practice session on Friday morning with the afternoon qualifying session dedicated to the sprint race. And then the race, so we'll go practice Friday morning, sprint race qualifying, sprint race Saturday morning, race qualifying Saturday afternoon, race Sunday. So that makes a lot more sense to me. I think it'll be actually more exciting because having the they should have the sprint uh, qualifying before the race qualifying, I think. So, yeah. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, that's a slightly confusing, just because I think it's gonna be a little it's gonna be a little strange having a sprint and then and a then qualifying followed. followed in the same <laughs> yeah. day. But I'm, that's awesome. I mean, do cool. wait is that how is that how you said it worked? Yeah, I was just thinking, what if someone like crashes their car in the sprint and then they can't qualify? Yeah, then you're screwed for the race. So, I mean, that that potentially adds a little bit more risk back into the sprint because kind of where they're at now, you're kind of safe across the board if you're if you don't just completely break your car in half. But I don't know. I'm 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 as a fan excited about that. I mean, watch the sprint Saturday morning, take a break, get ready for qualifying for the next day later that day. I mean, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a good uh, good Saturday. That's for sure. And I do like, I mean, it can be annoying if you have to work. I mean, I'm lucky that I have a job where I can watch when I'm at work, but I can see it being annoying not being able to watch on the Friday. But uh, it does make, like, say you're going to a race, like, like if you're, we were going to Miami next year or something, um, it would make it as a fan more exciting to have three days of um, excitement, basically, as opposed to just one day being a practice day. Um, we did have some big changes, though. The uh, summer break hasn't... It didn't even wait till the summer break to start getting crazy. Alpine... I'm talking about Alpine and them getting rid of, like, everyone. Uh, weird timing that they announced it and then said, like, before the Belgian GP and then said it's not going to be in effect until after. So, like, they're just sitting there managing the team during the race, knowing that they're, they're losing their jobs after the race. Kind of a strange position to be in. But uh, Alpine has got rid of Otmar, you know how I am with this name, Otmar Schaffnauer, Alan Permain, and Pat Fry. Uh, Pat Fry is joining Williams as their new chief technical officer. Obviously, Otmar is the uh, team principal, and Alan Permain has been there for, I want to say, like 30, 35 years. Like, he's been there forever, going back to the Renault days. Um, so, pretty big shakeup. Uh, I guess my question to you, other than what do you think about this, is how much of this do you think is attributed to... Uh, all those celebrities that just bought a huge stake in Alpine. Oh man, I didn't even honestly consider that. I don't. I mean, I'm sure the recent lack of performance has probably not gone over well, and they're definitely uh, impulsively probably trying to make changes just so these guys don't potentially back out or you know cut off their wallets. But yeah, it's wild. I mean to for i mean otmar you know sort of 
talking knowing he's going to be leaving. It's it's pretty strange him being on the pit wall. I mean, it's it's definitely weird. But I mean, Alpine. If there's one thing we've learned is that they really have no idea what they're doing when it comes to their internal management and retaining people, hiring people they want to keep. I mean, it's just been total disaster. I mean, even Cyril from uh, yeah. Drive to Survive <laughs> days, he uh, in uh, Renault, he one. he commented on sort of the state that Alpine is in, and there's a lot of people saying bring him back, but I believe he's I think he's the team principal of like Hyundai Motorsport team or something like that. He's so he's you know he's got he's got a job somewhere else but yeah it's yeah. it's interesting i'm not really surprised i do sort of wonder if they might regret getting gasly i wonder if that's gone through their heads or if they're happy with that decision still cuz in drive to survive the newest season <laughs> otmar uh Ding. you know in his interview talked about you know their expectations for gasly and sort of what they expected from him uh, you know, he's a race winner, all that, but uh, they've just sort of dropped the ball a little bit. I don't know if that's on the drivers or the team, but doing this at the time that they did it does not scream, we have a plan, though. So where do you think Otmar is going to end up, though? Because he's clearly made it right. uh, known that he has a job lined up. We don't know where. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you because you seem to have your ear on your ear to the ground, so to speak, more on this one. I, uh, the only thing I've seen <clears throat> is that he might have ties to an upcoming American team, which, other than Haas, there isn't one right now. So I guess that would be if there's a new team coming in or whatever. But I don't know. I'm not too knowledgeable about his future. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it would be one of the top four teams. But what have you? What rumors have you been seeing? Yeah, so Haas has definitely been thrown around there. Uh, I don't really know how that would work when it comes to Gunther. If Gunther would retain his position, if you know, if Otmar would take a lower tier position or vice versa, I don't know how that would work. Uh, there's also rumors that he could be joining an Audi. There's also uh, rumors that Ford is a potential because they're going to be joining Red Bull from that's in 2026, isn't it? Or is that? Yeah, I believe. Is, so. Yeah, they're not starting that next year. If I'm not, no, that's going to be 2026. If I'm not mistaken, but yeah, Ford. He's got ties to Ford. Um, also, oh wait, yeah, Alfa Romeo potentially. That's also another uh, thing that we were planning on talking about. Alfa Romeo might be merging with Haas going forward next year. They'll be leaving uh, Sauber, so we'll sort of we can talk about that a little bit more. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of potential places he could go. Uh, I don't know if. The Red Bull Ford is the most likely, but yeah, the fact that he, I mean, he's, I feel like he's proven himself to be capable as a team principal. I don't know if he's necessarily like incompetent. I think Alpine is incompetent enough. (laughs) I don't think he had anything to do with that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I wish they would just go back to Renault. I mean, I even forgot that they were the old Renault, but I I guess obviously comes down to money. Um, the other one that you you just touched on a little bit, Haas and Alfa Romeo, to potentially merge as early as next season, I believe. Um, and you brought up an interesting point that there's kind of rumblings about Kevin Magnussen not retaining his seat next year, and this would kind of all tie in potentially with if Alfa Romeo does merge with Haas, they, from what we've heard, love uh, Zhou Guanyu. Am I saying it right? Guanyu Zhou or Zhou Guanyu? I've I've got that confused in my head. Now, um, apologies. Zhou Guanyu, okay, so I'm going to go with that. Whatever Crofty says is gospel. Um, 
Zhou, <laughs> so Zhou Guanyu over to Haas seems like it could happen if that merger does happen, which leaves Bates alone at upper mate. But yeah, I guess I don't really know how that works in terms of I don't know what happens to Bates. He's just on whatever team takes over for Alfa Romeo. If that happens, like, how do you see that playing out? Like, which team? I think it's Alfa Romeo wants to partner with Haas, so it would remain Gunther's team, so to speak. Like, Nico Hulkenberg would be then racing for that team, no matter what. Correct? Or yeah, I don't really I know believe, how that works. Yeah, I think Nico's locked in with Haas. Uh, I think Joe Guan Yu is attached to Alfa Romeo, so the rumblings are that he could potentially be taking over Kevin Magnussen's seat at Haas if Alfa Romeo yeah. does sponsor Haas next year. Bottas, as far as I'm aware, they he is locked in at least through 2025, 2024. Uh, I think it's definitely not... He does not have ties to Alfa Romeo. I know that's Sauber, so I'd imagine mm-hmm. they are keen on keeping Bottas when that Audi, uh, when Audi does take over yeah. that team. I could see them keeping Valtteri a hundred percent. But if Joe Guan Yu does leave, who could potentially replace him? There's uh, the only name that I've sort of been seeing thrown around is Felipe Drogovic. I've seen that name thrown around a little bit that he could potentially be recruited to join the Audi squad. So. Yeah, I guess who is it that takes over for Alfa Romeo? Is it is it? Uh, I'm just looking up Saber to become Audi in twenty from 2026. So does that mean that there's potential for a new team on the grid next year if Alfa Romeo and Haas join forces? Like, is that a potential Andretti? Do you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I wonder Haas how Sauber and Alfa Romeo that. merge. That kind of leaves like an open spot. Yeah, for just two years, though. So that's kind of the tricky thing. Right. It's finding a sponsor that's willing to pay that money, but it's like, hey, we're only here for two more years. So we got to make it count. And so I don't know. I believe, in fact, I'm like 99.9% sure that Haas and Alfa Romeo are both basically junior teams, for lack of a better term. Like they're, they use Ferrari engines and like they're under Ferrari's uh, umbrella, I guess is a better way to say it. So, yeah, it's sort of interesting that, uh, yeah, I guess that idea of if they merge, then what happens to um, that other empty, kind of empty spot where Bottas would just be on a, on a island if uh, K-Mag gets replaced with Zhou Guanyu. Um, but we also had another potential sponsor. We talked a lot about, or talked a little bit about how AlphaTauri is being uh, dropped as a sponsor and Red Bull is going to move to more of a junior squad type team like they used to have with Toro Rosso. But news kind of has come out a little bit today that Hugo Boss is going to be replacing Alpatari as a title sponsor of that team. So it could still be the Red Bull junior team just under the Hugo Boss name instead of Alpatari and then maybe potentially sponsoring part of Red Bull as well. Um, I thought that Hugo Boss was sponsoring Aston Martin. Could be wrong on that. Wouldn't be the first time, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I've tweeted about it. I can't wait to see that livery. The Hugo Boss livery is going to be, ooh, fantastical. Um, probably not going to be able to root for them because they're, uh, it depends. If they, if they still have Danny and Yuki, then I'll be good, but I don't know what they're going to do. I don't really think Danny will be there next year, but I don't know. Well, it remains to be seen. But uh, as a, any last thoughts on the merger of Haas and Alfa Romeo, and what do you think about this Hugo Boss, Red Bull, Alfa Tauri, Triumvirate. Triumvirate. Yeah, 
I think, I mean, it's potentially uh, a really cool opportunity for Alpha Tauri. I did also read that if that doesn't end up happening, that Hugo Boss could just become a title sponsor for Red Bull. So it could potentially be uh, Hugo, Oracle, Red Bull Racing, unless they don't keep their Oracle sponsor. Because actually, maybe that is, maybe I read that Oracle is pulling out. I could be wrong about that. But um, yeah, Hugo Boss, Red Bull. Why would you do that with such a good car? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that. Like you said, wouldn't be the first time. Definitely been wrong <laughs> about a lot of shit on this show. But I think it's time. really cool. I would love to see a big team or a big brand, I guess, like that sponsor, Alpha Tauri, sort of give yeah. that team a little bit more of its own identity instead of just being the Red Bull second team. And I, 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 think, if Dan, I think if Daniel Ricardo's not in the Red Bull seat next year, then he's Garrett, pretty much going to be a lock for Alpha Tauri. Um, if Checo manages to pull through, then I think they're like, all right, we'll let him run out his contract. We'll let him run through 2024, 2025, maybe get Daniel in there, depending on how he runs. It's a possibility, uh, or Yuki, depending on how they run. But I think if, unless Checo just completely bombs it, I think it's a pretty solid, you know, prediction that he's going to stay next year, but the Alpha Tauri or whatever they're going to be called next year, uh, sort of pulling the R&D from Red Bull is going to make Yuki and Daniel that battle much more compelling and much more exciting to watch every week. So, uh, yeah. yeah, any more money uh, to give to that team, I'm super excited about. So, um, I bet you are. Yeah, because, I mean, when you watch some of the old races from the last five or six years, uh, that team's been competitive at times. You know, there's been times where the second Red Bull team has been ahead of the Red Bull drivers. It doesn't happen often, but it has happened, and it's very exciting when it does. So uh, hopefully yeah. we get potentially more scenarios like that. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered that yet, I guess. If they are – like I know that they want to make it more of a junior system again, and they are going to be just using more of a Red Bull-type car instead of having their own, which they should have always been doing anyways, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I guess I didn't really – put two and two, two together on how that will affect Danny because I I thought like I don't really see him staying there next year if it's a bottom of the barrel car again but yeah if they're just going to have basically a Red Bull light then why not um, I just got a notification on my phone of a Verstappen picks blank as his best drive of 2023 so far what do you think it is uh, did he say spa nope no uh, Miami. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because he had that yeah. battle with Leclerc. Yeah, and then he did have to overtake Checo, which. Hey, I got yeah, a I second wonder... try. There we go. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Um, yeah, I wonder how much Hugo Boss if they have to like sponsoring Red Bull, like being the or the new Oracle as opposed to sponsoring Alpha Tauri, like. That's just got to be like an extra zero on the end if you want to do Red Bull as opposed to Alpha Tauri. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That's pretty much, I think, all we've got. We're going to do a tier list about who we how we rank the first half drivers, but we'll save that for next week because there's not as much content to go around um, or next episode. Um, now, I one last thing I want to mention. I saw Oppenheimer last week. I'm not going to say a word because you're seeing it tomorrow yes Thursday, I it tomorrow not so, in IMAX you, womp womp I didn't see it in IMAX either um, but still 
the audio is like unbelievable. But uh, yeah, we'll make, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit on our next episode. Uh, maybe do a little review. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think it was a fun episode. Got in some good topics. Any last thoughts from you, Mr. Huff? Um, yes. Uh, tune in because we're gonna still try to do uh, some content. Definitely gonna continue to make episodes over the summer break. Uh, so yeah, just keep coming back for that. Subscribe on our YouTube channel, rate us on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And yeah, thank you so much for watching. Bye. See ya.